Let's Go Tokyo with Ben O'Shea and Mark Reddings. Hello and welcome to Let's Go Tokyo. Ben O'Shea and Mark Reddings with you. It's July 28, day five. And what else can I say other than how great are the Aussies? Three gold in one morning. You bloody ripper. Outstanding. What about the performance of uh, Ariane Titmus and her second gold medal in the pool? Uh, there was no showdown with Cuddy Ledecky at the finish because she had try- got the American off her back by a long way. But I'll tell you what, there were some nervous moments for the Australian. Uh, about 150 metres into the swim, she was still a good body length behind, but she powered. She just timed her run so well. And she's the master of strategy in the pool and she did it in the heats as well. She looks like she looked like she was, you know, sort of fourth at the last turn in the in the semi-final and then just mowed down uh, to win that heat. Absolutely. And she joined Shane Gould and Ian Thorpe as the only Australians to win the 200 metre and 400 freestyle double at an Olympic Games. Really what big... about her coach, though, Dean Boxall? Well, Dean Boxall, uh, a few of the Americans weren't happy with the way he carried on after a victory <laughs> in the uh, the 400 metres. And, in fact, such was the response to Dean's antics that there was a market of sorts for what he would produce if Arnie <laughs> well, won today. Well, well, you can have a flutter. The, the, the favourite was wave the Australian flag. Yeah. It was also a market suggesting he could uh, do the nut bush, the Macarena, <laughs> or Gangnam style. Uh, the worm on the floor was about uh, $12 in the market, and the 50 to 1 chance was to jump into the Tokyo Olympic pool, which was always going to be uh, unlikely. unlikely. Uh, as it turns out, he shed some tears. He was far more restrained. The emotion was there for both of them. And it was a wonderful moment. I just think, as Laurie Lawrence said, it was a great moment the other day, just as satisfying today. And uh, what a day for Australia in the pool, because we now have four gold in four days in the pool. That matched the combined tally of Rio and London. So this has been a spectacular start to the Tokyo Olympic Games. Yeah, and when we can start off well in the pool, it just bodes so well for the Australian performance elsewhere at the Olympics. And we can talk about that too, because also in the water, although on top of it, not in it, uh, the rowers had a great morning today. Jess Morrison, Annabelle McIntyre, Rosie Popper and Lucy Lucy Stephan took out gold in the women's coxless fours and with a new Olympic record too. Absolutely outstanding, wasn't it? So the women setting the scene, getting uh, the gold medal and that was just a, a wonderful performance and so so great to see them enjoy that success in the water and we know that uh, it's been a bit rare the men have, have dominated when it comes to uh, Coxless Fours and, and being able to, to win on the water for Australia and that was a, the catalyst for what we saw with the men coming out there and we have a new awesome foursome yeah, in the Yeah, a new blokes. awesome foursome. Do you remember the days of the original awesome foursome? Of like course. it was so special. And, and now we've got Alex Hill, Alex Purnell, Spencer Turin and and Jack Hargraves put the cherry on top taking the gold in the men's coxless fours this morning. It's the first gold we've won probably since the original awesome foursome back in 1996. Yeah, so 25 years how appropriate almost to the day that that happened and that's a, and go back to the original awesome foursome and I think they had the um, Golden Valley uh, yeah, peach ads and right. uh, it was a marketing yeah, peaches, delight. Was it <laughs> peaches? What was it? Peaches, apples, peaches, or something Golden like that. Golden Valley. They sang the song. It was yeah, just yeah. so. Anyway, we've got a new breed coming through. Can quite you still right. Still get so. those Golden Valley types. I think of you can. Fruit. The baton has been passed over, uh, but our rowers, outstanding moment for them. And you, you just have to uh, raise a glass to them and, and say well done to them. As you said, uh, the gold for Australia, by the way, broke. Uh, Australia, Great Britain stranglehold on the event. Great Britain have won the gold in the men's four at every Olympic since 2000. 
Um, and that's, of course, following the women who added their own day of history for them. Uh, they held off the Netherlands, who really charged time. Uh, Australia's women crossed the line in 6 minutes, 15.37 seconds. And... Uh, this opportunity to row for the Aussies has been almost 30 years in the making after the event made a one-time appearance in 1992. So, uh, so glad it's back from an Australian perspective and two gold medals in the rowing. Uh, just a brilliant effort by both our teams there. And, and Individual gold is great, Ben, but I would think for a team, it's just a little bit more special to know that you can share that bond with those other athletes for the rest of your life. And we've got a treat for the listeners right now. Rowing is the talk of the town, the talk of the nation. And uh, speaking of rowing, let's have a chat to a champion of the sport. WA's elite athletes on the podium. Joining us now is someone who knows just a bit about how intense the Olympics can be. She was the youngest rower for Australia in 2012 and in Rio had just 10 days to train for the Olympics after getting a last-minute call-up. WA rowing superstar Alexandra Hagen, thanks for joining us. Hi, how are you going? Oh, doing fantastic. Uh, I bet you're pretty stoked right now at what we've seen in Tokyo today. An absolutely epic morning for um, yeah, our sport this morning. Um, obviously, a few, a few of my best mates were in the boat that um, managed to get over the line first. Pretty epic for women's four to come back in and for us to be on top and then to be followed by the men. I suppose, you know, the awesome foursome is pretty cool. Um, and then also to follow on with two bronzes in both the men's and women's quad, we've had, yeah, a really epic morning of sport. So, Alexandra, talk us through what this means for the women. And, and you said you, you're mates with a few of the few of the athletes there. What would their reaction be? How would they be feeling right now? Can you put yourselves in their, yourself in their shoes for a moment or two? Um, having two of them be some of my two of my closest mates, I know how hard it has been through the last year and a half. Um, I have ridden some of the ups and downs with them um, and also have been in the sport for 15 years myself. I understand how much it takes to get on that stage, let alone be up the top. Um, it has, yeah, it's been a journey for them. Um, I don't know if anyone's watched it live, um, but they were obviously extremely emotional at the end of it. Uh, and then two of them were, re were racing again um, this afternoon. So, yeah, it's been epic for them. Um, it's obviously a huge journey to get there. And then this one, obviously, a bit strange compared to other Olympiads um, with COVID. Uh, but they've been able to pull it off, which is so exciting. Mm. And how do you think that the delays and storm warnings uh, might have infected the, affected the mindsets of the athletes? Obviously, not that much. It looked like they did pretty well. Uh, I think you, you obviously race in all sorts of stuff throughout your career. Uh, they knew that a typhoon was um, potentially incoming. I mean, you, I, like I can tell with having been in rowing for so long that the water looks nothing short of absolutely rubbish um, right now. <laughs> um, so, I mean, kudos to them. You can, there was other races that like there was a crew that actually fell out a few races after them. Um, there's been a fair few crabs. Uh, a crab is when you get your oar stuck in the water. Um, so, yeah, it's obviously throwing people off even at the top level. Um, but, yeah, I suppose more kudos um, that you can come out on top and stay composed um, of water, I suppose, more so for the women's, um, women's quad who are in an outside lane and not a favourite at all to come through um, and get the bronze was pretty exciting. 
speaking to Alexandra Hagen on Let's Go Tokyo, we'll talk about your journey in just a minute, but I did uh, preface talking about the, the women's uh, victory in the Coxless Four and the fact that it's been a bit strange, the fact that this made a one-time appearance in 1992, this specific element of rowing. It's been 30 years in the making that we've got back there to this position. How and why are we, we wondering why this hasn't been part of the Olympic calendar on a more regular basis? Yeah, it's quite fascinating considering the men's four is such an elite event and then to not have the women's four um, on that, you know, in that event and on the Olympic stage. Um, I mean, I'm not going to pull it apart. It is what it is. Um, it's cool that it's on the Olympic stage now. Um, and there's just, I mean, we've grabbed the opportunity with both hands and both of our fours have won. So, I mean, long live the awesome forces. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty cool. <laughs> now, can you take us through your own rowing journey? Your last Olympics was unexpected, to say the least. How did it feel when you got that call up? And take us through the experience of, of actually being in Olympic Games. Um, so, I've been to two Olympic Games. I went to the 2012 London Olympics and then the Olympics that followed in Rio. Um, originally, we so when you qualify um, for an Olympic Games, the qualification regatta is the year before. Um, and if you don't qualify in the year before, there's a regatta called the Last Olympic Qualification Regatta. In 2012, we went to that regatta um, and we won that regatta. The first two placings in the women's eight means a ticket to the Olympic Games and third onwards is a ticket home. So in London, we won that regatta. Um, that means we had like six weeks of preparation. We stayed over um, in Europe and trained there until we went into London. Um, and that was obviously very exciting. We made the A final. Um, that was my, I was a sculler before that. So I rode with two oars. Um, and that was my first senior team and my first Olympic team and my first sweep team. So I'd changed from two oars to one oar. Um, obviously, that was a really cool journey. I was 21. Um, I didn't drink an ounce of alcohol at my 21st. I went to Olympic qualification um, the next day. I flew into Sydney for that. So that was a journey in itself. I wouldn't change any of it um, at all. I was based in Sydney before we went over to that regatta, then like won the last Olympic qualification regatta to then go on to the Games. Um, and then come four years later from um, London, we ended up at that same regatta, the last Olympic qualification regatta in the Olympic year. Um, and we, we got third in that um, regatta, so that meant a ticket home. Um, then there was, also, there was all that hoo-ha about the Russians um, and drug cheating. Uh, and then, yeah, so nine days before the Olympic Games started, we had a phone call with our CEO. Um, the phone call kept getting delayed and delayed, and I actually happened to be at the pub at the time. <laughs> and I was like, oh no chance we're going like it's nine days to the games like it just possibly like, just is impossible so i was like you know going about my life i was fit thankfully still um anyway yeah we got the like he dialed in on the call the ceo and his opening words were pack your bags ladies you're going to the olympic games um so yeah we had nine days of preparation to get everyone um into victoria we trained out of one of the schools um, in Victoria, and then our coach was actually based in the UK. So someone looked after us in Australia before um, we flew in, and we flew in over the opening ceremony um, into Rio. So, I mean, that was a you know a different journey. Um, one, I mean, I wouldn't mind being on the Olympic stage and being prepared and have a <laughs> an ideal and an ideal lead up into an Olympic Games. But then again, 
it's made me the person I am. It's been an awesome journey. I wouldn't change any of it. It makes you resilient. Yeah, it was a good time. Obviously, there's hard times amongst that, but that's what makes you a stronger athlete and a stronger person. Albeit that second Olympic appearance came under bizarre circumstances. Ordinarily, I mean, if you go through, say, London, and it was an amazing experience for most people in London in 2012. Second time at Olympic Games, uh, be it yourself or, or others, uh, how much do you, do you learn from just being on the big stage for the first time and knowing the pressures, the expectations, all that goes with being an Olympian the second time? Um, I, you know, when we went on to like this, you know, the second games in Rio, I was probably one of the most experienced in my boat, fortunately, but it was just such different circumstances. Like we were complete underdogs. We weren't expected to do very well. Obviously we didn't do that well. Um, I don't, I don't mean that negatively Mm. at all. We took the opportunity we had with both hands, but you know, you don't want to be negative, but on one hand, the Russians have taken six weeks of training away from us, um, and then you find out nine days before and you're kind of chasing your tail to get fit to be on the Olympic stage. Um, but I always went in, I like I went into every race, you know, not being negative, going like, wow, what an opportunity. I'm not going to turn this one down. It's pretty epic. We know that Australia loves an underdog. Um, we know we had the support from around, you know, our country for us. Um, but, yeah, like I said, they were two very completely different um, experiences. Um, and, yeah, as much as... You know, I had one Olympic Games underneath my belt. Does, there's no two Olympic Games that are the same. So, yeah, it was it was a good time. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and it's really kind of nice sitting on the other side of the boat now. Uh, I do coach rowing, um, but also like sitting here watching teammates race that I know and I know what they've been through to get there. So. Yeah, so now, now you're the one with the whistle in your mouth inflicting the pain on uh, other, <laughs> other young rowers. Can you give us an idea of that sort of pain? Like what is the physical endurance required, that last 500 metres when you're pulling as hard as you can to get across the finish line? Like what is your body feeling in that moment? Um, I suppose by that stage you're running on adrenaline um, and fitness. Like, rowing is one of the toughest sports you can do. Uh, obviously you do in- incredible amount of training and kilometres to be able to put yourself through that, um, you know, it's probably 40Ks a day. You train three times a day, six to seven days a week for years and years on end to be able to do that to yourself. So there's not really one thing I'd be able to, scri- to describe. Um, but, I mean, I love the chase. Um, I love the last 500. Um, that's probably my forte in the world of racing. Um But, yeah, I mean, it's a tough sport, but equally it's incredibly rewarding as well. Absolutely. Now, we were talking just before we grabbed you, Alexandra, for a chat, was the 1996 awesome foursome and the men, and and I hate to talk commercially, but what they achieved, of course, on the water, but also afterwards and some of the commercial uh, marketing opportunities they received. This isn't your area, but I'm sure you hope that these gold medalists, be they men or women, have just picked up gold today, might similarly have some chances come their way when they return home. Well, having the fact rowing's just had a ripper day, I'd say we might be getting a little bit more television time next Olympiad, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is exciting. But Nick Green was um, commentating on the um, yep. on the TV and then... Um, James Tomskin was actually handing out the medals over there because he's um, a part of the Olympic Committee. So, I mean, it's so cool that they can be there and, 
hand over the reins, I suppose, of the awesome foursome to the new guys and the new girls um, winning that event. So I think, you know, it's a legacy that will live on um, and we've done really well to win both of them today. Yeah, Goldburn, if you're out there listening, we've got some new rowers who can say peaches, mango, peaches. So <laughs> <laughs> open up open up the checkbook. Alexander's too young to remember all that. I don't think you'd remember that, Alexander. You're too young. No, I do. No, I am too young for it, but I remember it. <laughs> and so how do you how do you think the experience is going to be at the at the Olympics with COVID hanging over everything? The experience in the athletes' village is going to be so different. How do you think they're getting their heads around that? I think... Obviously, I, I've been at the last two um, and, I, you know, well, I mean, there's plenty of stories that go around the partying. That is a very big part and a good amount of fun that goes with after racing when you can let your hair down after being, you know, so highly strung for so long. Um, and I've spoken to a few of them in the village. They don't seem to be not having fun. So, I mean, it's they've just taken whatever they can. Um, and they all seem to be smiling and enjoying it. Um, I know that they do have to fly out 48 hours after racing finishes and straight into quarantine. So it's a completely different kettle of fish, um, this Olympiad, but I don't think it's really upset them too much, clearly, by how well we've done. So um, I know a few of them are coming back into Victoria, so there'll be some wild times when, I mean, and I'm based in Victoria now, but um, there'll be some pretty wild times when they all come home, which is exciting, and I think they're looking forward to that. Wild times, just getting out of lockdown for the Victorians, and then, then hopefully, yeah. hopefully sneaking a slab Don't into the, the wall, <laughs> and maybe sneak sneaking a slab into the fourteen days quarantine. But uh, yeah, that's uh, it's bizarre times over there uh, on the east coast. And so, Alexandra, yeah. we're, we're going to let you go. But before we do, can you let us know how do you think Australia is going to do for the rest of the games? Cast your uh, your prognostication hat across the rest of the Olympics. Bit of crystal balling. Um, I think. I mean, going by how we've started, it's been absolutely ripper. So, I mean, I'm always on the verge of positivity. I reckon we've, <laughs> we've, set, ourse- we've set ourselves up really well for a really successful Olympic Games. And if the last few days and the amount of medals that we've cleaned up is, is not a sign, then nothing would be. So, go Aussies. Yep. Rowing champion, Alexandra Hagen. I think you won't get any argument from anybody here in Australia. Thanks for joining us today on Let's Go Tokyo. Thank you. And, mate... How great was that? Oh, the timing. Uh, now, we think our, our producer, Kate, has got uh, some ability, in fact, a lot of ability, but the fact that she was able to forecast two gold medals in the water in rowing and have Alexandra teed up ready to go this morning, you yeah. can't ask more from a producer than that. Exactly. We might have to look at the uh, markets on some of the <laughs> other events going and place a little bet. Now, let's take a look at the medal tally because those five medals Australia won in an hour today have caused us to climb up the medal tally a little bit. We're now in fifth spot with six gold, one silver and seven bronze. Japan has retaken top spot over China this morning. They've got 11 gold, four silver and five bronze. China in second spot and then the US rounding out the top three. Uh, Aussies. In action. Mate, but, but there's been so much going on. So many Aussies in action. Where Absolutely. do you want to start? Well, let's go with the water polo first. The men, uh, a terrific win over Croatia, 11-8. They're right in the conversation for a medal now, which is massive. Unfortunately, the Opals lost to Belgium, 85-70. I watched a bit of that match. Yeah, tough game, last wasn't it? Night. Yeah, they were, they were thereabouts at half time, but unfortunately fell away. 
I'm not sure whether Belgium from uh, beyond the arc, I thought in the last five minutes of the game, couldn't miss. No, exactly. I'm digressing a fraction here, but very strange to see Liz Cambage post <laughs> a, uh, a message to the Nigerian basketball team. I know her father uh, originally from there, but why, having been part of the Australian setup, and if she did one for Nigeria and to Australia, I could understand, but that for me. Well, she didn't do one for the Australians. That's she, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. She did one for Nigeria before they were about to play the US, uh, and. And it was with Nigeria that she had that issue during the scrimmage in in Las Vegas. Yeah. Bizarre Bali's. I don't know what she's yeah. done there, but uh, lost me a bit, I must admit, over that. Uh, but better news. Bronze for Owen Wright, the first ever, of course, in surfing. Uh, great scenes there on the water. We know that there were some waves that uh, were accentuated by the typhoon, etc. But that was fantastic for Owen Wright. He was so pleased. And the great interview was with his family back in Australia, uh, his partner, and then his little son. And uh, was asked <laughs> by our seven team, what do you want to say to Dad or what would you like to, to mention to Dad? He goes, I want some ice cream. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. How good is that? Do you know what his nickname is, Owen Wright? No. So in surfing uh, circles, his nickname is the Avatar because he's such a physical specimen. He looks like one of those uh, one of those blue aliens from the Avatar movie that was so much taller than regular humans. So he's one point one hundred and ninety centimeters. That's massive for a surfer. Massive. I would have thought. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's pretty well built as well. That's massive for a surfer. Uh, Sally Fitzgibbons. Yeah, and you know we talk about heartbreak and and the surfers have their own world tour but um in brief some of these athletes for australia handled themselves so well she was uh, knocked out surprisingly so but she said she was heartbroken and you know what um we forget how much this means to the athletes uh, some of whom have other careers in sport but uh, representing their country hoping to win a medal and sally was uh, just beside herself with um emotion after that particular result yeah and you talk about heartbreak you mentioned earlier jess fox in the um the k1 slalom she went so close she Only did. a couple of seconds and i watched it and you know the two penalties the last of which came in the last sort of 10 seconds that cost her badly it means a bronze medal for her she's got silver a couple of bronze she handled herself so well and imagine being a dad her dad commentated uh, alongside Dave Colbert the final, and you, you're wondering how do you keep your emotions in check when your daughter is going through either the highs or, in this case, the lows. And let's be honest, she was expecting or hoping to win gold. She's been such a great athlete in the water for so long, but we just have to stand back. And the mm. way she uh, addressed the crowd and her athletes, uh, her teammates, etc., she was just brilliant. The class act of a lot of these Olympians, I can tell you now, there's a few footballers and other sportsmen that could take a leaf out of their book. Yeah, definitely. Setting a fantastic example uh, for all of the Aussie kids out there playing sport. In rugby, the Sevens, uh, unlucky. They got they got beaten by Fiji. Then they lost to South Africa. Now they're playing Canada for a, a seventh or eighth placing, which is certainly not where they wanted to be. No, but it sort of sums up where we're at in rugby, I suppose, <laughs> in, in general in Australia. But um, well done to the guys uh, uh, having a, a massive crack there. And, and what about our... Four by 200 freestyle relay. Our men's into the final. Alex Graham, Cole Chalmers, Thomas Neal, uh, Zach Inserti. Bronze medal. Well done, boys. Yep. And Zach had the task of really trying to trying to fly through that third leg. Did a terrific job. Uh, Cole Chalmers, interestingly, took the second leg. So the boys making the final. Great Britain. Wow. Yep. They were extraordinary. Yeah, extraordinary. Deserve their gold medal. Very emotional. But the boys can be really proud of that bronze medal because the, the time the Great Britain team uh, swam was uh, out of this world. Yeah, and it's not just Aussies in action, of course. Let's see what else is going on around Tokyo. Tokyo's top moments. 
Well, I don't know if you can call this a top moment, but it's certainly the biggest talking point in Tokyo right now, and that's Simone Biles. Well, it's a sad story, isn't it? Because uh, as part of the team event, she mentioned in the build-up to the Olympics that she felt the, the weight of the world on her shoulders. We know what a superstar of the sport she is. She's the most high-profile gymnast going into these games, certainly from a female perspective. But in the team event, she just didn't execute on the vault, which is one of her, her specialties. And given the, the dangerous nature, if you're not mentally switched on, that can be an issue. So she immediately spoke to her coaches and said, look, I just don't feel I'm right. There's an anxiety level there that I'm not accustomed to. Um, there was certainly a mental health issue for her. And she said, I would rather pull out of this team's event, and potentially it might be for the rest of the Olympics, and allow her teammates to go for a medal. Really extraordinary story. She's copped some criticism from back in the United States, which it, it sounds extraordinary given what she has done at that level for so long. But she, you know, she's been quite open. Her press conference was amazing. She spoke about uh, the pressure she's felt. She's also been open in the past about uh, sexual assault that she'd um, undergone uh, with a, a former coach. She has been an open book with regards to what she's going through at the moment. And all I can say is you have to support her. She's the best in the business. And if she's not feeling up to it at the moment, then she might need a, a break for a day or two, maybe even longer. Yeah, we spoke this morning on the West Live 7 News' Matt Carmichael, who's over in Tokyo at the moment. And he's been talking to the American journalists over there and, and looking at the coverage of Simone Biles. She actually said before the Olympics in a press conference that the thing she was looking forward to most was when it was over and she could go on holidays. Pretty telling. It is, and I think a lot of athletes who've got that expectation, uh, it, it isn't so much enjoyment, it's more relief at the end of it, if yeah. they win or lose. And, he, and here's, the th- here's the thing with the Simone Biles decision. Like, if it was the 100-metre sprint on the track, you could say, you know, you maybe you could say, do you know what, I understand that you're ex- experiencing some difficulties right now, just... 100 metres, 10 seconds, you can do it. But with gymnastics, it's not like that because you're asking someone to do a backflip on a beam, potentially injure themselves quite seriously. And if you're not 100% in the zone, 100% keyed in on what you have to do, it's a safety issue. And just to go back to my experience with Liz Chetkovich at the 2012 London Olympics, talking about the beam, and she said, well, have a look at your mobile phone. Have a look at the width of that. And then just take a little bit further. That's what these... Young men, young women are having to negotiate in a in a uh, in Olympic Games, yeah. in a performance or in a. It is just extraordinary. So the margin for error is so so small. tiny. And even if you if ten percent of your brain is not where it needs to be, then I think she's she's made the right decision. Uh, but she she certainly will be questioned over it. And what she does now is going to be the big question because she's got the individual uh, apparatus coming up. Yeah, who knows? I mean, we can't put ourselves in her space. Let's hope from a selfish point of view that she gets out there yeah. and and let's say redeem herself that's a that's too strong a word gets out there and has a healthy clean mind and can go ahead and get the job done as best she can because for, she, and for all of us as well because we just love seeing yeah, her because she's so amazing and the, the takeaway from me as well yesterday you know the uh, the russians <laughs> the <laughs> russian olympic committee got up in that team results so that's probably the worst thing that come out of simone Biles's uh, withdrawal but uh, the emergence of sinisa lee uh, for the american team who was called up to to take part on the floor she wasn't going to do the floor routine i thought she was fantastic she was great on the beam and the uneven bars as well. You know, maybe a, a new star has emerged. Absolutely, yeah. Outside of that, uh, kudos and a uh, little 
uh, tick to the Filipino weightlifter Hidlin Diaz, who uh, came from nothing to win the first ever Olympic gold for the Philippines in the women's 55 kilo weightlifting event, uh, bursting into tears. And oh, she was great. She was smiling the whole way through, and she's the smiling assassin. Really, took down the Chinese weightlifter who had never lost in in a competition. So that was a massive moment for that particular weightlifter and for the Philippines. And what about Katie Ledecky? Despite the fact yeah. she couldn't go with Ariane Titmus in the 200 metres, how about backing up in the 1500 metre? final yeah and, yeah and and just doing what she and winning does gold. winning gold yeah that's why she's the queen absolutely extraordinary hey by the way speaking of swimming a lot of talk on social media about these the vision you see particularly on, on the men and, and some of the women of these circles yeah. on their on their body well and some people are saying are they burnt uh what, what's are they what's, tortured, by, are they the getting tortured by the coaches <laughs> of course it is a um a therapy an ancient therapy going back and and it's used to maybe accentuate Blood flow, blood flow circulation. It's funny. A very brief story. I was in Bali with some mates, <laughs> and I went for a, a massage, a, a rock massage, stones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so my two buddies are sitting there, lying, enjoying, lapping it all up, and I'm feeling a bit of pain on my back. After half an hour, they said, "How good was that?" We get up to go. I says, "Well, actually, I'm I'm a bit sore." They looked at my back, and there was welts with round circles like the, the swimmers <laughs> on my back, suggesting that it wasn't as relaxing or therapeutic as what I would have liked. And so hopefully the swimmers <laughs> get a cup. Get more out of it. <laughs> oh, I tell you what, I jumped back in the pool at the hotel and it looked like I'd been uh, been traumatised by someone in <laughs> Bali. But anyway, that was uh, that was one. So, hey, the other one I've got to bring up. It's quite uh, well. The vision certainly backs this up magnificently. There was a a, a judo competitor, a German judo competitor, who was um, slapped around the face a couple of times <laughs> um, and then uh, grabbed. Yeah, uh, they uh, grabbed their jersey. Grabbed the jersey and just shook her from side to side about 10 times. Um, that was humorous, and some people thought, no, this is not right. But of course, the competitor came out and said, no, that is part of the build up to how I like to go out and compete. Get the, the juices flowing. Uh, her name, by the way, was uh, Martina Trajos. Um, <laughs> I thought you were talking about the actual competition. No, this You're talking the, about what a coach was doing yeah, to her before. Before she's about to step onto the, onto the floor, onto the mat uh, in judo, uh, she got the two slaps across the face yeah. and then shaken vigorously. And of course, a lot of people saying, oh my God, this is going to be, uh, this, is, this is almost. Did she win? I'm not sure she won or not, to be honest. It was more the vision I was worried about. And speaking of vision uh, and a bit of violence at the Olympics, what about Morocco's Yunus Balka, who uh, bit the ear of uh, New Zealand? I shouldn't be laughing. David Nika of uh, New Zealand in the boxing. Uh, did a Mike he's Tyson. Gone a, he's gone a full Tyson. Gone the full Tyson. Uh, the uh, Moroccan got beaten, by the way, 5 nil by the Kiwi. But how about that? They've got a bit yeah, of biting a and bit a bit of, of slapping. Nibble, a bit of nibble, a bit of niggle. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I love that. That's what I love about the weightlifting. Every lifter has their own routine, their only pre lift routine, because it's all about coming out there and that sort of couple of seconds of extreme power. And there is a lot of smelling salts, slapping faces. I've seen a few face slaps, back slaps, butt slaps. <laughs> this is something, something for everybody. And there's only one person out yeah, there. Yeah, that, right. that makes it, <laughs> well, makes... let's talk about what else people can look forward to in the Olympics coming up over the next 24 hours. The big one, one of the biggest ones, is the Matildas, who are going through to the quarterfinal of the women's football tournament. They're set to face Team Great Britain. They're calling a bit of a flack, the yeah. uh, Australian women's <laughs> football team, because they drew nil with the United the States. Last, the last game wasn't exactly a uh, you know spectacle. But they had the temerity not to uh, be more adventurous with their, their game, but of course what they were looking to do is get the draw 
and it benefited both sides, I suppose, to get through to the next day safely. So they've done that. Um, I'm, so, I'm sorry, rival nations, we're not playing for you, but uh, maybe it was, it was in part their tactics, but they've got through to the quarterfinals. What's, what's even going on with the soccer competition anyway? Like, how much of a competition is it when three of the four teams in the group qualify for the next stage? It's a slow burn. That's <laughs> all I can say. It's a slow burn in Tokyo. Yeah, and we've got Aussie Jack McLaughlin uh, as qualified for the semi-final of the men's 800-metre freestyle, so we'll see him in action. Yep, the men's water polo, they're up against Serbia, and uh, always very hard, the Europeans uh, in the water to beat, so good luck to the, the boys there. Yeah, basketball, Australia versus Italy at 20 past four today. Uh, beach volleyball, always popular sport there, and uh, hopefully uh, our men and women can advance further into that tournament. And then uh, the uh, Socceroos versus Egypt in the soccer at 7pm uh, tonight. Yeah, the Ollie Roos, uh, Graham Arnold, they had some interesting results so far, uh, under, under 23 side of course, um, Egypt. I fancy their chances, I would have thought, against the Egyptian. But mind you, um, the Oli Roos, it's going to be problematical as to as to what they can do to get through to that next stage of the tournament. Yeah, what do they need, do you know? Uh, need to win to, yeah. to, to start off with and then, then work That's it out from there. goal difference, that sort of stuff. Yeah, plenty of action. And you can catch all of it uh, around, around the Olympics at thewest.com.au. And join Skeet and I tomorrow as we bring you all the highlights from the Tokyo Olympics and speak to another Olympic favourite. You've been listening to Let's Go Tokyo by The West Live with Ben O'Shea and Mark Reddings.